Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. You feel it? Come on, you feel the authentic? You feel the real? You feel the cover ripped off? The mask that you used to wear gone? Something real and authentic that you can give that only one thing brings. Not a church, not a system. The glory within. I, I do this just literally every week. I, I just I can't sit still and not say something in a time like this. You know, when we walked in here today, I, I had made the commitment to myself. Because last week, I opened up a gateway. I'll just be honest with you. I opened up a gate to receive a pressure that I hadn't felt for seven to eight months. Because I was, I was such in a hurry to get on to the next thing. We've been talking about this for too long. We gotta, we gotta step into something new. And, and in this moment, let me go ahead and, and, and put, put something else out there. Let me just, let me just put it out in the atmosphere. Yahweh, I, 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 I know that this is right, but let me, let me just take a step. It seems right. It seems like the right time. Let me take a step. And I'm realizing that a step without the presence is not a step at all. If it's anything, it's a step this way. When we, when we built, when we started to, to build this building, I was hell bent on having gas lanterns outside. Donna knows we talked about this and I want, yeah, the fireman back there shaking his head. No. But I wanted some gas lanterns. I love the look of it. I was, and so I go into this place, and I, and I, ask, them, uh, I ask them about gas lanterns. And they're like, well, you know, it's a lot more complicated. There's a lot of things that you have to do. But let me show you something. And they show me this lantern. And I mean, it's ridiculous. It's so real looking, this, this lantern. They have, it's an electric lantern. And I don't know how they do it, but it just... It, it's not like the fake, like, Halloween flicker thing. It, it is, I'm like, that's a, that's a flame. There is a flame right there. Well, then they grab this, they grab this thing, and they lift the, the kind of faded cover thing they have to put over it. They lift it up, and it's like the series of just lights just spinning around. And it looks like the most fake thing. And genuinely, in that moment, I was disgusted by it. I was like, I can't do that. Like, I can't because we had got, we, then, then so I was like, we have to go with gas lanterns. I got the word that as far as the code says, we can't have the gas lanterns from, you know, the distance and whatever. How important are these gas lanterns to you? Is it worth a kid slapping the light and getting burned? And I was like, well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm a parent. It's okay. <laughs> but but, I, but so, I, so then they showed me and, and they, put the, they put the thing back on. It's like, that's real. That is the, I mean, that thing, we, we can go with that until they showed me the real gas lantern. And here's the difference. The electric flicker light has to have a cover over it to mask what's within it. 
it has to have something that makes it appear to be real. So that in a moment of passing by it, you won't really realize what, what's real and what's not real. And I feel like the church, even the kingdom, has come into a place of being okay with, a, with an appearance of the real. With a touch of the real. Here's the difference in the electric light and the gas light. The gas light is, it, it is the, the sole purpose of the lantern that holds the flame is to be as clear and clean as possible so that it can host and show what's within it. It can show what's within it. And here's the beauty of it. <laughs> the electric light is all its purposes is to hide that truth of what's inside. And so what they do is they accentuate they try to make the lantern itself look beautiful and kind of just and just appear amazing so that you're always your eyes drawn away from the light. It's it's more focused on how man that's an incredibly beautiful lantern. That's beautiful and and you start to forget hey there's not even a real flame inside of it. And they, it, it's, about the, it's about the lantern and not the light. It's about the, but what happens in the gaslight is it's about the light, not the lantern. But what do you do when you see a gaslight? Do you say, man, what a beautiful flame? Or do you say, what a beautiful lantern? Because what Yahweh does is he says, come in and make this thing about me. Offer this thing unto me, one thing, and I will elevate you. And I will be one with you because without me, it's incomplete. It's not perfect. With me, it's complete and it's perfect. And so this morning when I come in and, I, and I'm, I've made the commitment not to do what I did last week, and the first thing I met with is, hey, guys, uh, the sound's not working today. And I'm frustrated, and I have to walk away, and I say, Yahweh, I, I, I desire to be real, but some things just frustrate me. Some things just make me mad. But what he reminds me is every day that I get up here to speak, I have to look at this sign. Every day I get up here to speak. And anybody that ever ministers from this pulpit or is up here with the musicians has to look at one thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I might behold his beauty and inquire in his temple. Men, it is about the one thing, not the next thing that we can step into. The one thing, more, 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 more of the one thing, more of the one thing. And if the lingering exhausts you, man, that just means that that flame is not quite big enough within you because because the authentic flame when the wind blows it, it it ignites it gets bigger the one that's just a little bit and just every single time they come in here has to light it up get it going as soon as that wind blows it's gone it's the same wind same wind but what's within you and so this morning, I just declare over this people that we're going to have a greater revelation of Christ within us, that we're awakening to the real and the authentic, and we don't settle for anything less. We're not trying to come in here and have church and wait for the next sermon or wait for the next song. Man, get, word, get, get rid of the words. Get rid of the words on the page. What happens when, that, when we do that? What happens? A song that only you can sing that no one else could sing. And I love the song. I love it. It's poetic. It's beautiful. It, it so, sometimes is just the, the activator. Yeah, yeah. 
But <laughs> when Yahweh shows up in a moment and says, I got rid of the sound today, let me be the sound. I, I speak over a people that is willing to allow that to happen. I know that we are a people that's willing to let that happen. I know that we are a people that's not just wild, but we're also free that we're wild and we're free and we're redeeming what that actually means to be wild and free not just to say it not just because you say i'm wild but because i am wild because yahweh designed me and created me wild and i'm free because yeshua came into me and is coming alive inside of me and i'm opening myself up to make sure that there when i'm opened up the authentic flame is what is left Every day I step into this thing, like Ben said, get rid of me and get more of him. Get rid of me and be more of him. We're called to be image bearers, image bearers, image bearers. Man, 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 man. Come on. So I say again, do you feel it today? You feel it today? Do you feel the authentic and the real and the life that Yahweh has given this place? I do. I do. Keep going, Ben. So this is, um, I, I talked about this last week, and, and what I want to do today is I'm going back and honoring the word Yahweh gave me last week, that in my haste, and out of circumstances, I felt that I needed to jump through. And I missed, I believe, lingering on one of the most important things, a key here for us and where we're at. Where we're at. But one of the things that I, I mentioned, <clears throat> and this isn't really part of it because I, I didn't have the approval from Emily Grammer to read this email uh, yet, but now I do. So um, I just want to read through this because this goes right along with, you know, uh, things with Samuel and Andrew and just rejoicing with these, with, with what's coming out of this house. <clears throat> so it says this. Hey, Evan, could you pass me that water? Thanks. So it says, Mark, hopefully this email won't be too long. I'm a huge office fan. So when I started thinking of when, of what to say about my journey, I was reminded of a scene where Michael says a completely nonsensical sentence. Then the cameras cut away to him later where he says, sometimes I will start a sentence and I will have no idea where it's going. I just hope I find it at the end. says, first, I want to thank you and Eva for what you have been for me. Wonderful examples of kingdom living and just wanting to serve Yahweh, whatever that may look like. Not to mention, I just like you two and the boys. I'm also thankful for the words you have been speaking at church, even the ones I wasn't there for. I've been going back in the podcast and listening to them. From the first day, you both gave me phrases and understandings that have really spoken to my spirit. Thank you, Yahweh. <clears throat> thank you, Yahweh. I, I just, I couldn't do this. I titled this email qualifications because a lot of what you talked about or did talk about in the beginning of you leading the church was how you did not seem qualified for that position. But somehow it turns out you are just a person for what Yahweh wants to do in the Rock of Bay County. Somewhat similarly, sim, why do I have such, tr every time I've read, read this email to someone, I can't read, similarly, I'm glad Apostle's not here, son. <laughs> 
Oh, anyways, uh, the past two to three years of my life have felt much in the same light, and I have often asked myself, why are they asking me to do this? When I first came to UWF in 2012, I had intended to be a marine biology major and came in as just a biology major in the honors program. Following some bumps in the road, I decided to change my major to exercise science. This would be a lasting change that I would carry out through my undergrad and would complete my master's degree in the same major. When I got to the end of my undergraduate degree, I had I had been knocked out of the honors program due to grades, had not played as much as I expected to on the field. Uh, she's an amazing soccer player, and I can say stuff like that because I used to play. Um, but she's amazing. She's awesome. And really uh, did not have a good plan for my future or even an idea of where Yahweh wanted me to go. I started thinking of going to UWF for grad school, and Yahweh made my spirit respond to that calling of Pensacola on me and put in my heart that there was a treasure there for me that I needed to go back for. I didn't know what it was. I just knew I needed to go back. My final GPA for my undergrad degree was slightly above a 3.0, so the intentions I had of going to PT school were slashed, and I didn't have all the credits needed anyway to go that route. I looked into the UWF master's program and remembered that I had a good relationship with several of my professors, especially one was the chair of the board for the program I was trying to get into. The cutoff for the GPA to get into that program was a 3.0, so I thought I probably won't get in. After sending in a general application and getting accepted to the program, I get an email from the chair of the board saying, Emily, please apply for the GA or grad assistant. I had I had to I have to recommend my top picks for GAs soon. This is someone I thought only knew me slightly from taking her classes two years before. Then I applied for the grad assistantship, and I as I filled out the application again, I was troubled in my mind again about my lack of qualifications, low undergrad GPA, and no real certifications or experience in the field besides coaching. Surprisingly, I got accepted to be a GA and got more than half of my school paid for for that assignment. Page two. Fast forward to the second year of grad school and fall semester is approaching. The chair again contacts me and says, Emily, how do you feel about teaching labs in the fall? Again, I'm shocked. I'm someone who doesn't like to talk in front of people at all and knows the information probably less than my peers. For some reason, they chose me. Meanwhile, I had been looking into the to a PhD school at the end of my master's and had been talking pretty seriously to someone at UNC about possibly becoming a student under him this fall. And he said I was one of the top three applicants they had, but they chose someone else. My mentors came up to me and said, we are so sorry to hear that. Are you okay? And I just said things along the lines of, I believe that everything happens for a reason and that just wasn't meant to be. Now for the end of, the ma- of my master's, I had been teaching for a bit less than a year and graduating in May, again, fairly unsure about what to do about my life after the master's program. And once again, the chair approached me and said, Emily, will you teach classes for us in the fall as an actual professor? After seven years of teaching, a professor that I look up to and that teaches a core class in the program is taking a sabbatical and they need me to teach in his place for the semester. To the chair's offer, I said yes. Yahweh took me, someone who struggles with believing in myself, 
and that I am capable of doing these things and made me into someone who can do these things. And I have struggled with feeling inadequate, but Yahweh has always been my encourager. I love that about him. That he can come to us in our own special way, in a way that makes sense. Yahweh put the chair of the board in my life for many reasons, but, but for belief and encouragement especially, and ordered my steps to be in the place I am. <clears throat> I, love, I loved your message about not needing your watch because I am at a time in my life where I feel like I just want to know what is going to happen, and I want to feel like I'm getting things done, but Yahweh says be patient. Because if I had rushed myself into, make a, into making a PhD decision, I would have missed the opportunity I have now, now to hone my skills and become all that I am meant to be. He has said to me, why do you not believe in yourself? I have made you adequate. I have made you stand out. And I have made you come to this place. In fact, recently he told me to put my blinders on. Much like those old movies, at least that, that I have seen, where there is a fire or something in a stable. The owner of the animals comes in and either puts on a cover over the animals or eyes, animals' eyes or blinders. He said, because if you look anywhere else, or if you try to listen to another voice, you might get scared and you might go running down the wrong path. But if I listen to him, he will make my decision seamless and he will cause my spirit to rise and I will know the right path from hearing his voice and following his words. Again, I hope that I have not been too all over the place with this message and I hope it was not too long, but I just wanted to share it with you and just agree with you that Yahweh knows that even those that may not seem qualified in the natural are qualified in the spiritual. That moves me every time, I've re every time I read it. Responding to righteousness. Responding to righteousness. That's what this whole thing that we've been talking about is about. Yes. Using Noah as an example from what Apostle Damon's revelation was about this place and about what we've walked through. The response of the righteous. The most key, the, the, the key thing I think we need to take from this, this story, and this is where I'm going back. I'm going to honor this thing. I, I want to move on from this, but I know that Yahweh's called me back to make sure we get something. The key thing about Noah in this revelation is that he never knew Adam. He was the first one to never know Adam. The first one to never know Adam and through a faithful great-grandfather in Enoch who, who decided that I heard stories about Adam who walked with Yahweh in the cool of the day and knew what he walked in before the fall. I believe that I can walk in that myself and Yahweh took him. And Lamech seeing that in, in his grandfather and saying, you know what? 
there might be hope. I might toil in this ground, but I'm going to name my son rest. Noah means rest. And Noah responds to righteousness. Righteousness. And we've talked so much about how we are clothed in righteousness. And, and, I, and I have not done a great job of just explaining what righteousness actually is. So I'm going to read something else. Righteous. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and, hears, and his ears toward their cry. Psalms 34, 15. Who are the righteous and what is righteousness? As our verse above indicates, God sees and listens to the righteous, so it would be in our best interest to have a biblical definition of righteousness. Every Hebrew word in the mind of the ancient Hebrews paints a picture of action. By doing a little investigation, this picture can be found. The first step in finding a more concrete meaning to a word is to find it being used in that context. The problem with the word tzaddik, which is righteousness, is that it is never used in a concrete manner. The next method is to compare its use in Hebrew poetry, where words are commonly paralleled with similar meaning words, such as in the following passage, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The Hebrew word tzaddik, or righteousness, uh, um, actually means upright. They're paralleled many times in the Bible, indicating that in in the Hebrew mind, they were similar in meaning. Upright is another abstract word, but it is used in the concrete manner, such in Jeremiah 31.9, where it means straight, as in straight path. Hebrew poetry will also parallel antonyms, words of opposite meaning, such as in the following verse, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Here we find the word wicked, rasha, being used as an antonym. Here as well as in many other passages to the word righteous or tzaddik. While the word wicked is, ab- is an abstract, we can find its concrete meaning in the verb, which means to depart in the sense of leaving God's way. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. We know we now have a few clues into the meaning of tzaddik. He is one who is straight and does not depart from the way of God. The next step is to understand the concepts from the ancient Hebraic culture and thought. The ancient Hebrews were a nomadic people who traveled a circuit through the wilderness, following the same paths from pasture to pasture, campsite to campsite, watering hole to watering hole. Anyone leaving this path can become lost and wander aimlessly, one who has departed from the path. A righteous person is not one who lives a religiously pious life. Hear this, because this is, this is truly like, even if we say so many times, we say, well, we're free from religion. We don't, you know, we don't talk about that. Like, it doesn't seem like that's what we're controlled by. Oh, freedom from law, all this kind of stuff. I believe that our mind has, has righteous wrong. It's not about a righteous, a righteous person is not one who lives a religiously pious life. The common interpretation of this word. It's actually one who follows the correct correct path, the way of God. The two descriptors of Noah were this. He walked with God, and he was righteous. He walked with God, and he was righteous. 
the descriptors, descriptors of Enoch were that he walked with God and was righteous. Communion is the key. Apostle Aaron, we talked about this a little bit last night, and, and it was hard for me not to just jump up and say, oh, I've got this, but I, I just like to hear from him anyways. But communion is key. It is about the one thing have I desired of the Lord. Noah grew up not knowing about the curse, not, not, not seeing it with his eyes in the natural. What he saw is that I can walk with Yahweh, which in that communion produced righteousness. From He, he followed a path. Emily talks about a path. I keep hearing the word path of righteousness, the path. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of Yahweh. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of Yahweh. So it does not mean get everything right and do everything right, but it, it means respond to righteousness. And this is, this is really where I want to get into something here. Because there is a move right now that I have been made aware of, and I don't usually look into this stuff, but from sitting with some friends and talking about this, and they brought this up. Let me just tell you, the quickest way to lose your peace is to argue theology. <laughs> Stupidest thing you can do is try to prove you're right about something. But there's this universalist Christian mindset, which are two things that should not be used in the same sentence anyways. Because as Yeshua starts to come alive in us, we should be responding to righteousness and not just grace. Grace is not governing. Grace is amazing. We get to walk in grace, and it brings us to a point. But when we start to come into, into contact with Yeshua and he starts to come alive in us, the response should be a righteous one. There should be a difference in the way that we walk our path. There should be a guiding voice that keeps you from going here and here and just saying at the end of the day, we're all going to be lined up. It'll be good. You can follow that path and let it lead you to wherever it goes. But my path is going to lead me to heaven on earth that I want to be an access point. And if I have to keep myself from things, I'll do it. Because it says as Yeshua comes in, in Isaiah, what does it say? It says that when Yeshua comes of his government and peace, there will be no end. The increase of his government and peace. The increase of his government and peace. You know, we go through this thing of like, man, no more law. We live in grace. It's all good. I'm telling you, as I've come alive, as he's come alive in me, there's more of a requir requirement on me. There is more of a requirement on how I respond to situations. You can't say things like, you know what, grace covers all, there is no more law, and, and, then, and, then, just, and then say things like, on earth as it is in heaven, or that Christ in me, the hope of glory, and live however you want to live, and walk however you want to walk. And y'all know that I stay away from a lot of this stuff, but it's my millennial generation that I'm a part of that I want to come up against today. And I want to let you know as a leader where I stand on this thing. And I want to speak to the millennials because what this comes out of is fatherlessness. Fathers that actually raise them in an Isaac-type mindset. I went on from this yesterday, and this is what I was talking about. I, it was too early for me to jump into, but this is exactly what it's taught. Like, the story of Isaac is exactly where the millennials get their mindset. 
Because they were told that you need to come into, to be a son of mine, you need to look this way, act this way to receive a blessing. And it was really the, the father's inability to have a, a greater anointing of Yahweh on his life to say, you know what, as a father, I'm going to accept my sons and however they look. And even if it's not exactly the way I think it should be, and it's not about them going out and getting something for me, I accept them as a son and I bless my sons. And so the millennials come in and they say, man, I don't look like the generation before me. So there's two groups that come out of that. There's a group of millennials that are still covering themselves in a, in a mask of Esau, trying to, trying to make themselves appear a certain way in order to receive what they think will be a blessing. And it's just a new form of religion. I've got to look like what was before me in order to receive something. In order to inherit the kingdom, I need to grab that, that, that hairy clothing. I need to make sure I smell like who my brothers were so that Yahweh will love me and accept me into this kingdom. And then you got the others that say, you know what? I don't want to do that anyways, so I'm just going to walk. And you know what? Yahweh covers all, and it'll be all, it'll be all good in the end. But I believe that there's fathers raising, being raised in this nation, in us, Apostle Paul established some of us here that say, I want the tender ones. I want, I want, I want, if that's, if that's how Yahweh designed your heart is tender, then your blessing is just as good as Esau's. It's just as open. And so I, so I, so I come against that today in the millennial culture. That is a, no reason to talk about that except for I sat down and talked with friends about this universalistic mindset if everything's okay, and I want us to respond as righteous ones, ones on a path, ones that are guided, ones that don't just say, it's okay, we're good, but ones that seriously look into themselves and say, that might not be okay for me. Of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. If you don't have the government, you won't ever have the peace. If you don't bring government to your situation, you'll never receive the peace. And we have to stand as a people. We still have to stand as the righteous ones. Because that's where authority is generated. He sees the righteous. This awakening of of Yeshua within us produces this thing. Tara, you talked about that you're starting to see the Father as not the judge, but as the Father. You're starting to see Yahweh as the Father and not the judge. What is it that's coming alive in you? Or who is it that's coming alive in you that's making you see Yahweh as the Father? A son. And Yeshua is coming into our, into our lives in a different way. We have Holy, Holy Spirit is our connection to Yeshua, but there is a presence of Yeshua waking up, waking up inside of us and of his government and peace. And I'm starting to respond to every situation based on a righteous mindset, based on a righteous that I have a path that I will walk and I'm not going to be strayed to the left or the right for no reason. I, I, I respond to the righteous the righteousness within me. When I walk in here and there's no sound and there's frustrating, what do I respond to in a moment like that? Him or the circumstance? 
My mom talks about this, and I, and I love this. She, we were talking the other day about what we need is more authentic encounters. And I was like, the reason this came up is because I was talking about friends that have come to me and said, man, I, I want to feel that chill. I want to feel the, 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 his presence come in. I want, I want this. I want that. And my mom made this statement. I was like, I, sometimes I don't really know what to tell them. Because I'm just walking this thing out, and I feel something sometimes, but I really feel like I've been in a three-year encounter. Like, it's not that every single time, it, you know, I, I don't have things come up against me or things happen, but I just, I feel, I feel him. I feel him in a moment like this, and something's changing in my life. And my mom makes the, another prophetic ninja in our house, makes a statement of uh, uh, an encounter is something that changes someone. It's when you wake up in the morning and you realize my life has been governed by the righteousness within me. That there's been a path that has been created by walking with the Father. Communion. Communion. And I'm thinking about this, this thing of the ark. And I'm going to get into reading this and going back to what I said. I need to honor this word and not get past this thing. Because there's a key here that, that Noah does. That we did this morning. But this is, the, this is just a funny thing I wrote down here. Is our, our storm happened in October which in the Roman calendar is the eighth month, which means new beginnings. So chapter 8 of Genesis, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark, and God made a wind pass over the earth, and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. And at the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. The ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month month on the mountain of Ararat, which we have pulled out and know that the revelation of that, the, the, the definition of Ararat is the curse reversed. Noah did not know Adam, but he still lived in the curse, right? He still lived in that day. He knew about Adam. He, he might not have known him or seen him, but he chose in a day like that to respond to the righteousness. And that scripture that I read says that Yeshua responds to the righteous ones, that he hears them. He responds to them. So, so Yahweh brings him out of a place after building something for 80 years that eight people get on. He gets on this thing and it rests on Mount Ararat or the curse reversed. So what Lamech believed in naming a son rest, it rests on the curse reverse. He rests on the curse reverse. And and the waters decreased and continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face on the ground, of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, 
A freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. And it came to pass in the six hundred six hundred and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. Then Yahweh spoke to Noah, saying this, Go out of the ark. You and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Go out of the ark. The thing that brought them there. The thing that saved them. They had to move on from. There comes a time with that thing that brought you to a place. You must depart from. You honor that thing. But you can't stay there. Or that thing that saved you will become death to you. Go out from the ark. And here's the thing that's so critical in the going out. In the beginning, Yahweh gave so many blueprints, so many exact things for this ark, the thing that saved him. He showed them the way. He said, this is, this is what you do here. This is exact. Here's the measurement for this. This is how you build it. This is what it's going to look like. This is how this thing goes down. And it saved him. And it got him to a place. And there's things here that have got us to a place and saved us and got us here. And it was exact and it was principally based and there was knowledge in it. And all we had to do was be faithful to build and be faithful to walk it out and be faithful to not listen to anybody else and just put on the blinders. And then there comes this time where he says, now go out of the ark. And there's hardly anything else that Yahweh says to him. He has a completely brand new world. Everything he knew before has changed. Everything. Like, we don't think about these stories enough. He comes out of the ark into a place that had nothing. No one. You think some trees were down? Every living thing, everything you knew changes. In a moment like that, what happens? Well, as Yahweh told me, let's keep reading. <laughs> Go out of the ark, you and your, son, and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. And what does Noah do? He builds an altar. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled a soothing aroma 
Then the Lord said in his heart, this is what he says in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. There is an absolute natural response that has to happen in a time like this. When you have come to success, when you have made it through, when you have been saved, what's next? One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, that I might behold his beauty and inquire in his temple. There has got to be a time where we put the responsibility on ourselves after a day like what we've walked through, and we're coming into a time of what's next, what is this thing going to look like, that we build an altar. So what we do today, when we have authentic, genuine worship that comes out of not having everything figured out, not knowing what this thing's going to look like, and we just say, you know what, whatever comes out of us today, that's what Yahweh wants to minister. Because what we're doing is ministering to him. What I'm doing is, is I'm, right now, this is a form of worship. So if it doesn't sound quite right, if I trip over my words, if I do, I'm, I'm being a faithful son to step up here and deliver. I'm responding to the righteousness within me. It's what makes me step up here every single time. And so I'm building an altar as I'm standing up here. I'm building an altar, and I, and I, and I think all of us need to start to build an altar in our lives, in our days, in our 20, the 20 I talk about Davidic worship a lot. He spent a hundred billion dollars in today's money to make sure that there was 24-7 worship going on in his house. And he was the man after Yahweh's heart. Noah builds an altar after being saved, says, what, how do I step into something new? How do I get out of this? Well, what did you do before, Noah? Did you walk with me before? Did you receive the blueprint before? I'm giving you righteousness again in a greater measure. And it says that in a moment of worship, in a moment of worship, he says, the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Yahweh is is stirred. He's stirred by this. He's stirred by the righteousness within you. With the worship within you. And he says, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. And what does he do? He goes back to what he said to Adam, the man that Noah never quite knew, the man that fell after walking with Yahweh. And he comes back to him and he says this. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Semicolon, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply it. In essence, what I believe Yahweh was saying to Noah was this, you be fruitful and multiply within yourself. Let the righteousness within you start to come out in an abundant manner to just start to overtake you. And from that, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. It's not always about procreation. Sometimes it's about getting around someone who's righteous that comes alive and sets you on fire. But it's never going to, this whole, this whole idea of us being image bearers in the earth and making things happen in the earth and all this change and, you know, we're going to... If it's not happening in you, it will never happen around you. If it's not coming alive in you, if you aren't responding to the righteousness, the upright spirit, the one that keeps you on the path, if that's not your response in every day, in communion with the Father, walking in the cool of the day, 
then don't expect everything around you to change. And this is where we get set back in the church is because so many people get up there on a Sunday and deliver a message that they're never walking in 24-7. They're never walking in throughout the week. I've, I've set myself to try to walk things out before I ever deliver this thing. I've seen Yeshua come alive in me. And when he comes alive in me, I'm feeling an authority come over me from righteousness, from communion, from the government and peace that I, that I rule and reign in. Because, because I'm giving him access to those places in my life. But when the wall comes up and you say, I'm going to get this figured out. I'm going to have this. This is how it should look. Yahweh, let this thing stay how it is. Like uh, it it worked before. If you're not hearing him or you're questioning what you're hearing, stop hearing what you're hearing and see what you're hearing. There's a riddle for you, Ben. (laughs) Shut it off is what I'm saying. Sometimes we can't hear because we have everything else that we're hearing. We're hearing every, every podcast I can download on here to show me the way in life. Let me download. Every book I can read that teaches me how to live my life, let me read. Let me just kind of, since I'm not feeling it today, let me just kind of quill that by going and looking at the TV all day long, 24-7. And when that's not enough, I'll watch the TV and be on Instagram at the same time. Judging everything that's not right in everybody else's life. And then you come, into, you come into this place and say, why am I not hearing? Like, why am I not having an encounter? Why, why don't, maybe, maybe it's because you're responding to external things instead of what's within you. Knocking, saying, wake up, wake up. Who are you listening to? What are you giving yourself to? Don't forget this thing, that we are kingdom people, and there absolutely should be a difference. This is fundamental, but I feel like as we walk into a new day, it's good to reestablish what this thing is ultimately about, and it's about the one thing. But if you're going to be about the one thing, then you also got to realize that the government and peace comes into your life, and if something's trying to guide you back on a path and you're constantly butting up against it, maybe you need to let go. And maybe you need to put the blinders on, as Emily says. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. The same authority that Adam received. Noah reversed the curse. Adam walked with God, he fell. Enoch walked with God. He was taken. Noah walked with God. He repopulated the globe, and he reversed a curse. Yeshua walked as God and saved the planet. What happens when we walk in communion with God? When we have the same spirit that rose Christ Yeshua from the dead that quickens our mortal bodies. If we walk in that spirit, what does that paired with communion generate? What authority does it generate? 
And since I have my weird friends here today, I'm going to tell a weird story. Because it's truth. I'm calling it there. That's probably disrespectful. They're not just weird. They're weird. They're peculiar. They're set apart. And I love their expression. Ben and I got to experience, the entire time I was there experiencing their expression, Ben was, he'd be, you know, Ben has no trouble. He's flying, birds going everywhere. And then he turned to me and said, you okay? Okay, good. You good? You all right? All right, good. So, it's awesome. It's awesome. Things that can stretch us. But this stretched me because I heard Apostle Damon say this. One day he was sitting out on his porch and there was a mosquito that kept bothering him. He said, Yahweh, if there's one thing that I think you might have messed up on here, it's this thing called mosquito. What is the point of mosquitoes? And Yahweh, you know, and, and Damon's all funny, whatever, and, he, and, and Yahweh says to him in a heavy voice, says, it's waiting on you to tell it. And if you know Damon, he doesn't really go off into too much weird, crazy, you know, whatever stuff. He's not really talking about talking to mosquitoes. But Yahweh is starting to give him authority to speak over the earth. And, and I remember the first person I heard talk about telling insects what to do was Apostle Aaron. And he talked about a time that there was, was it like, they're not locusts, what were they, that were in your yard? Grasshopper, a bunch of grasshoppers that were... They're in rebellion right now. They're in rebellion. <laughs> See, this word was for Apostle Aaron. So, so, they, so they're out in his yard, and they're just, they're everywhere, and his, he wants his grandbabies to be able to, to play in the, in the yard, and they're just everywhere, infesting his yard. And Yahweh told him to go speak in their language to them and tell them to go to the perimeter. Apostle Aaron's like, oh, Lord. But he does it in the next morning, I believe. They're all on the perimeter. He needs to, he needs to remember that story, he said. I'm, I'm going to tell you this weird story about me because what I believe we're walking into in this communion thing is that we are, we are coming. Stuff has been stripped away, not to just be stripped away and to rebuild. Yahweh's giving, there's, there's a silence here. There's a staying. There's a quietness. There's a lack of real concrete, directional voice. And I felt so guided, and this is what you do, this is what you do, this is what you do, especially in a principle-based ministry before. We had such a teaching and knowing, and, and this is how and we can be faithful, but we know that we're a faithful people moving into faith. We're a, faith, a people that have been faithful now moving into faith. We're, we're a people that, we're, that have a natural knowledge that are moving into spiritual acts. There's an Isaiah 35 thing going on. But, I, but I'm, that stuff to me, because I'm, my natural being thinks it's weird and crazy. And so, I, so when Damon said that, I was like, that's a great story. That's awesome. It's really cool. Love you, Apostle. And Yahweh's hilarious about things. And I'm painting the outside of my house the other day, trying to get it ready. Uh, and, and we're trying to fix the things we need to fix. And I'm, I'm, I'm painting our house. And Eva's about to take the boys um, to go somewhere. It's getting kind of late. And as you've probably all experienced these days, I have a yellow fly that I just wish I had a miniature gun. And I could just, bam, lighten me up. 
Lighten me up, man. I mean, I'm just like, good Lord. I'm on a ladder up high. And I'm like, I can't, this is ridiculous. And I said, Eva, could you please go get the bug spray for me? She said, all right, I'm going to put it on the washer and I'm going to leave. So she leaves and I'm sitting there and that's, Yahweh puts that story of Damon and of Apostle Aaron in my head. And I'm like, God, this is so weird. But I just said, you know, Yahweh, I, I am a righteous son. You're teaching me to respond to righteousness. The righteousness within me. I know who I am. And I just said, that flies. Says, I just stopped and said, don't bite me anymore and I won't kill you. That was my righteous word to him. (laughs) Don't bite me anymore and I won't kill you. And really in my heart of hearts, didn't really believe anything, just painting and just about to go get the, and I kept thinking, okay, I need to go get the, the bug spray. I need to go get the bug spray and I'm just painting. I'm just going. And I'm realizing, wait, I have not been bitten. And so I was like, oh, man, okay. But then in the back of my head, I'm going, well, it's coming. I need to get the bug spray. And so I'm, so I'm painting, I'm painting, and, and I realize I'm getting across the whole wall. I've painted the whole wall and have not been bit. And I'm like, this, is, this might be a thing. I keep going, keep going, get all the way across the wall, and I start to step down, have forgotten. I just realize I finished the wall. I turn around to step down, and I'm not kidding you. I don't talk about these things, but there were 30 at least yellow flies hovering around my legs. Not a single one biting me. If you look up, just Google yellow fly. The first thing it says is bite. That's what they do is bite the mess out of your legs. And it's weird and it's crazy. And and the next day I get lit up by a yellow fly. All right. So, but hear me in this. It is this now and sometimes Yahweh gives you, if you're not willing to see it prophetically, if you're not willing to see something prophetically of what you can walk into through a righteousness, what we're inheriting when something's been stripped away and we have a new land and things go quiet and Yahweh's saying, be fruitful and multiply. Walk in communion and see what I will give you. See what I will do in you. See what I will do in you. If we can't just say, you know what? Yes. Yes. I'm not going to say it's weird. I'm not going to say whatever. I believe that this is what Noah walked in. It's what Adam walked in before the fall. What's that supposed to be called? A zebra. Okay. What's that? A lion. Did that lion come after Adam? No. And the authority that Noah walks in, Yahweh actually says, in the, in the fear of you, of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, and all that move on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hand. Essentially, what Yahweh is saying is like, I did not call you to be plucked from the earth. I called you to redeem it. And as a redeemer comes alive in you and you start to respond to the government in peace, an authority has been given to us to call things, to call things as though they are things that are not that as though they are, we're being able to walk in that authority. And I, and I'm starting to believe this in myself and it gets me a little bit weirded out, Demetrius. It's a little bit freaky, but I'm, but I, but I'm believing in it. And I'm believing that this planet that we walk in, and let's, let's, let's push it, aim small, miss small, let's get here. This county, this county that we're in, that we absolutely, as righteous, faithful sons and daughters of Yahweh, have a voice to. 
we need to start building altars in our home. First off, walking in communion, making sure our kids walk in communion, speaking into their ears at night and saying, I love that about you. Yahweh, rise up and within, within them. Don't let them know, Adam. Let them know the righteousness within them. Let them respond to that. When we start walking day to day and saying, my house will be a house of peace and government. My house will be a place where the spirit resides, that I make a way for him to come into my life. I shut off the things that are not, that are not of him. I'm not saying that you don't turn, man, I'm going to be watching the playoffs and the finals and all that stuff. I'm saying, though, that the the overriding thing within my life is righteousness. He has a place. He knows he has a place. In our house, when we walk in there, there will be peace. And there has been peace. And from me trying to make something happen, I walked in a week that I didn't have peace in my home. And that's not happening again because I want to walk in the presence and respond to righteousness. And from that comes authority. So stand with me this morning. Adam walked with Yahweh and he fell. Enoch walked with Yahweh and was taken. Noah walked with Yahweh, repopulated the globe and reversed the the curse. Yeshua walked as Yahweh and saved the planet. And we walk with that same spirit. What are we called to do? What do you believe about who you are? What are you responding to? Ben, come up here real quick. Build the altar 24-7. I'm challenging this people to walk into a new revelation of who Yahweh is. Walk with him because the planet depends on it. That's how, that's how important it is. The planet depends on it. Believe that about yourself. The planet depends on it. You've got a redeemer in you that's, that wants to redeem. Respond to that. Respond rightly. We are the righteous. Amen? Amen. Yahweh, thank you for this day. Lift our hands, if you will. We bless this people. We honor you, Father, for what, you, what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our houses and what you're doing in this house, and we're, rela- we're having relationship with all the houses as, as us, as our family, as the ecclesia, the corporate gathering, and as the earth, is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. That is a house, and we're just we're becoming a, a well-trained house full of glory, full of wonder, full of wisdom to know how to deliver that wonder and know how to take our encounter and to move it into the society of our life where it makes differences in people so it can make differences in the land. There's no beautiful city without a heartfelt sun because the city lives in the sun. So help us be aware that the city lives in us and it's our, it's our responsibility to get the city out of us and to locate it and to put it into action into the earth. We honor you, Father, for your city, for not only the presence of your person, but the glory of your, uh, your location, the glory of your um, belonging, that we belong before we believed and we're belonging again. We're feeling be- that we belong. We thank you for that belonging, Father, that we can believe in a greater uh, awareness and a greater attraction to what you're giving us to see in this day. Father, we ask you, Father, for that attraction to just en- envelop us, to get us so there's no more distraction. We're so attracted. We can't be distracted by the glory that we're beginning to see and come 
come into, Father. We declare that. We decree it into the earth over every individual in this house today, from the top of their head to the soles and everywhere in between, Father, that you are healing us. You are delivering us. You are manifesting your presence in us in a strong, powerful way. And we never, never want to take that for granted and never want to take it happenstance, but we want to take it boldly, confidently, and measure it and let it go on and on and on and on to the, to the end. Amen. Amen. One, one quick thing here. I ask permission uh, to do this. It's important to have to know your identity. And first of all, thank you. I don't think I said that clearly a while ago for receiving and honoring this man. That is the word of the Lord here. He and Eva, I'm so proud of them. Aren't you? The strength. But let me tell you who you are. Uh, this is, uh, well, as those that might not know, Miss Teresa's here. Uh, she's an oracle in our house over there. Um, but she had a word years ago of, of a discernment concerning uh, the, the Gideon 300 and the, why they were different, what, why they were picked. Of course, you know that they lapped the water and they looked up. And the difference was that those, that, that group, uh, the identity here is that uh, uh, Yahweh always is a pattern that he likes to stick with, I've discovered. He, when he does something really great, he begins to move out and then receives a few. And that few does the great thing next because it kind of, not that he doesn't love the other ones. They, they come in later. But that's okay. You're the group that lapped the water and looked up and that you didn't, the revelations you had, you didn't look in the water at yourself. You don't think about yourself. You just, what is the, what is needed to be done out, out here? And those are the ones that he leverages the big deal. Now the others would receive benefit down the road and that's good. And you will rejoice, won't we? But you're the identity of those who are willing to, you don't look at yourself. You, you really see what needs to get done and you're the ones that gets the job done. So others may benefit later too, just like you will. So that's who you are. I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys. It's amazing. Thank you for receiving us today. Oh, We'll, we'll try to be short here, okay? Um, I just greet you um, from the angel of the gates of Zion to the angel of the Rock of Bay County. Blessings from the court of chancellors, from the host of heaven. Whew, you were talking about the altar. That's one of my, my things, you know, it's my thing. Yeshua said, you Pharisees, not you, just he said, you Pharisees, what's greater, the gift or the altar? Because the altar sanctifies the gift. And in the old church age, we learned a lot and we were taught a lot about the gift, rightfully so. Um, we call it leverage and trade. Some people call it tithe and offering. And all of that is good. But if the altar, our heart, or the altars in our homes are not fueled with the fire of Yahweh, we're constantly putting our wood. That's the sons of Zadok, that Zedek, as you mentioned today. The sons of righteousness are to minister to Yahweh with fire burning on their altar because the altar sanctifies any gift you can give unto the Lord. Ministering to him with fire burning on your altar. So as you're like, I'm, I'm put, I wasn't texting or looking at Instagram. I was making notes because you're reminding me of, of that scripture, Matthew 13, 9. And about Noah, the ark, and so many 
call it ARK, but it's ARC, where we're arcing with the power of heaven, with, with the um, archangel over the most holy place, that Ark of the Covenant. And it was like a conduit of electricity and power. And so you're arcing, you've built your ARC um, to arc with, with the host of heaven, with the archangels over the Ark of the Covenant, and just bring that essence and presence of Yahweh, that encounter, that engagement of our altar, our heart, that we keep the fires on it just burning and sanctifying any gift we can bring it's just beautiful and I bless you I remember I don't know how many years this is my first time here since way since I believe um your father's funeral and man um just all the pictures and everything I saw were just wow and then of course the name Michael was so profound and you know um Apostle Ball uh, my apostle Aaron Smith always sent me to Apostle Ball because as weird as he is (laughs) he couldn't always (laughs) comprehend my weirdness so So he would send me to Apostle Ball, and I was like knees knocking, going, oh, my God. And so, and he always received me so graciously and always heard me and encouraged me and prayed for me when I talked to him about the order of Melchizedek and the sons of Zadok and the seven spirits of the Lord and all that. He would just, he embraced and he loved it all and encouraged me to just keep going, keep going, and prayed for me, in fact, that I would have the ability to put in writing and in books, which I have by the encouragement of my apostle also, that I would be able to write all this out and bring it forth into the earth. And so, wow. And just, you know, I, it's, I know it's ironic and I don't mean this in any way, but it's almost like I could see Apostle Ball just in the midst riding that storm, just, whoo, you know, just like, like a bucking bronco. I could see him riding that storm and going, come on, come on, my sons and my daughters, come on, behold, I do a new thing. Don't sit and make a monument and a memorial. I want to do a new thing. He's always, always been about the new thing, always encouraging and bringing in the kingdom, the fivefold and leaving an old order and coming into the new. And so he has made a way and, and determined that there would be no um, altars to the old thing, but altars to the new thing. Always the new thing because Yahweh is so greater than anything we could ever imagine or think. Eye has not seen nor ear heard or things entered into the heart of man that Yahweh has prepared for us. But his spirit knows and he's given us his spirit. And just as everything you said today is like, wah! So the kingdom is within us, and the kingdom of heaven is right here. It's not way up there. It's right here. We just step into it and just partake and commune and commune with the Father in the river that proceeds from his throne, building our altars and keeping the fires burning. I bless you, Mark. I bless you, Eva. I bless you, Rock of Bay County. Yes, Yahweh, let there be an altar. Yahweh, let us produce an altar within ourselves, Yahweh. Let us, let us move from the ark and into the altar, Yahweh. 
Let that, let that resonate through our homes throughout the week, Yahweh. Let our sons and our daughters and, and all that are around us, let, it, let them be, be saturated in the presence of your glory, Yahweh. Let us just continue to build altars in every state that we're in, in every circumstances. Let us, let us move out of our consciousness and into an altar consciousness, out of just what we're in and into more of you, more of the one thing, more of the one thing, Yahweh. We offer that to you today as a righteous people. Wake us up, Father, into the new glory. We love you and we love to do your will. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Be blessed today. Love you all. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.